Hello everybody and welcome to Penguins to Go, your daily dose of Pittsburgh Penguins news and analysis. You can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from. It's been a minute. You know, I expected to finish my Metropolitan Division positional power rankings before I went on hiatus. Before I ended up getting married and missing 10 days and taking a quick break from the Pittsburgh Penguins in the dead season of the offseason. But, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles. Instead of me talking about where the Pittsburgh Penguins defense core, which we'll do today, ranks among other Metropolitan Division teams, the Penguins added to their defense by trading for Eric Carlson, which dominated the final week uh, of Penguins to go and of tip of the iceberg before our hiatus. So we pick up today where we left off with the Metropolitan Division positional power rankings. Let's talk defense. Before we talk a little bit more about the Pittsburgh Penguins defense, here are the rankings. In dead last, I put the Philadelphia Flyers because any defense core that starts with Travis Sanheim and Rasmus Ristolainen cannot go above anybody else in rankings, right? I mean, you look at the rest of it, Mark Stahl and Cam York as their second pairing, according to Daily Faceoff, and then Nick Sealer and Sean Walker as their third pairing. It's an NHL defense, but just barely. I mean, Rasmus Ristolainen is overpaid and always under-delivers. I like Sanheim. Sanheim might be, you know, Sanheim and Cam York and even Sean Walker, who's new there, they're nice pieces, but just as a collective unit, it's not that impressive to me. So I have the Flyers at eight. At number seven, I have the Washington Capitals. I really don't like their defense. Martin Fehervari is the top pairing left side next to John Carlson. And listen, John Carlson, when healthy, is, is fine, right? When healthy, he is fine. I think his best years are past him, which you could say that about a couple of the Pittsburgh Penguins defensemen, but I really don't think he has the power to carry this unit the way that he was able to in years past. Second pairing of Rasmus Sandin and Nick Jensen, not bad. Third pairing of Joel Edmondson and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. It's a lot of mediocre in my eyes on the Washington Capitals blue line, so I have them at number seven. Number six, I have the Columbus Blue Jackets. I actually kind of like their defense. Zach Wierenski returning is a huge boost for them, not just on the blue line, but for their team in general. He plays next to Damon Severson, who I think that's a really good top pairing uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. They add Ivan Provorov in the offseason, put him next to Andrew Peak. Then you have Eric Goodbranson and Adam Boakvist. I, for one, can't believe that Eric Goodbranson is still in the National Hockey League, and I still, thinking back, can't believe that Eric Goodbranson was acquired to play on the Pittsburgh Penguins when they had already been employing Jack Johnson back in the late Jim Rutherford era. So it's a decent defense. I, I kind of like it. I, I think it'll be more intriguing this season than it was last season, especially with Zach Wierenski back in the lineup. So I'm going to keep an eye on the Columbus Blue Jackets, especially their blue line. Number five, probably the lowest I've ranked them since I started doing these rankings, the New Jersey Devils. It's a team that had a lot of depth on defense, and they have a lot of youth on defense right now. You have Jonas Siegenthaler and Dougie Hamilton as the top pairing. It, According to Daily Faceoff, it looks like Luke Hughes is going to be taking a monster step playing next to John Marino on their second pairing, and then they have a youngster in Kevin Ball alongside Brendan Smith as their third pairing. 
not going to lie, losing Damon Severson and Ryan Graves in, the, in one offseason, that's a tough hit for the New Jersey Devils. Now, do I like the unit? I think it's it's a good unit, but at the same time, I'm just not exactly sure really how far I can trust them. So I'm putting them at number five. It might be a little low, but it's where I have them nonetheless. Number four, I have the New York Islanders. If you like defensive defensemen, the best defensive pairing for that specific purpose is the top pairing of the New York Islanders. Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulock, and it's been that way for years. Those two obviously spearhead a defense that is really just focused on keeping the puck out of the net. And you might say, hey, Nick, that's kind of the purpose of defense. But in the NHL today, you need an offensive defense more, at least a couple of offensive defensemen to have a fully formed, well-rounded unit. I just don't see that with the New York Islanders. I see a lot of great defense. Don't see very much offense coming from this unit. I already mentioned Pelek and Pulak. Second pairing is Sebastian Ajo, not the one from the Hurricanes, and Noah Dobson. Third pairing, Alexander Romanov and Scott Mayfield. That's a pretty good third pairing. If Romanov can play to his potential that we saw early in his career at the Montreal Canadiens, then maybe that becomes a really good third pairing that just starts to dominate. And isn't that just like the New York Islanders to be really good at the bottom of the lineup and then mediocre towards the top of the lineup? That's that's just my assessment there of the Islanders. So they're at number four. At number three, head over to Broadway. I'm taking the New York Rangers. Ryan Lindgren, Adam Fox. I mean, Foxy's one of the best defensemen in the National Hockey League. Good at both ends of the ice and a smooth skater at that. Second pairing, Keandre Miller, Jacob Truba. I think it's overrated. I think it's a good defensive pairing. But I would say it's overrated as far as how it actually performs on the ice. And then the third pairing of Eric Gustafson and Braden Schneider. Same thing you see with a lot of third pairings across this division. Could be good. Could cost you a game here or there. That's the way I see, you know, Braden Schneider's still very young. Eric Gustafson is a roll of the dice. Uh, we'll see what what happens this season, but I have them at number three. Number two, this is where the Pittsburgh Penguins land on my list for defense. The highest I've ranked, I think, the Pittsburgh Penguins in general throughout this entire process. Ryan Graves, Chris Letang, Marcus Pedersen, Eric Carlson is the top four. That can go toe-to-toe with anybody in the National Hockey League. Then their third pairing is P.O. Joseph and one of Ty Smith or Chad Ruedel. We'll see who wins that battle at camp. I think the third pairing is similar to what I said about the Rangers. That could be a third pairing that gets really, really good, but also could cost you a game here or there, could certainly give up goals here and there. But that top four is, we'll get to it. We'll, We'll get more into it, but I have the Penguins at number two. Number one Man, the Carolina Hurricanes on paper, and this is year in and year out, but the Carolina Hurricanes on paper are just impressive. Like, there is no word to describe what this team looks like from an NHL 24 standpoint. Like, they are, on paper, a great team through and through, and it continues on their blue line. Jacob Slavin, Brent Burns is the top pairing as of right now. I mean, yeah, Burns, he's a little old. But he certainly found new legs last year when he got to Carolina. Another year in Rod Brindamore's system can only be a positive thing for the bearded one. Brady Shea and Brett Pesci, I know they're trying to get rid of uh, Brett Pesci because of that cap hit. We'll see if that persists or if they just bit the bullet and said, you know what, we didn't get Eric Carlson anyway. Might as well keep Brett Pesci, uh, at least on daily faceoff, that's what it says. 
And then a third pairing of Dmitry Orlov and Tony D'Angelo. I mean, <laughs> that is a solid second pairing on most teams in the National Hockey League. That is a first pairing on at least six or seven teams in the National Hockey League going into the 2023 season. Orlov and D'Angelo. And it's that perfect mix of Orlov is really the, the stay-at-home defensive defenseman, although he does have that offensive potential. He's shown it in the past. Tony D'Angelo is that offensive-skilled playmaker. And he still is responsible enough to be considered an NHL defenseman. But uh, I, I think it's a good mix. I think that entire lineup is a good mix of offense and defense. And Rod Brindamore, once again, has a really good team on his hands. So uh, the final rankings here, Philly 8, Washington 7, Columbus 6, Devils at 5, Islanders at 4, Rangers at 3, Penguins at 2, Hurricanes at 1. Before we go, I want to talk a little bit more about the Penguins defense because this, of course, is Penguins to go. The addition of Eric Carlson as well as the subtraction of Jeff Petrie and Jan Ruda definitely made a massive impact on these rankings. I probably would not have had them in the top four if not for that move made by Kyle Dubas a few weeks back. The Penguins have a really good mix of offensive and defensive talent on the blue line, and it's really to a level that few other teams have. I mean, Chris Letang is an excellent offensive defenseman, and we don't really need to mention much about Eric Carlson when it comes to that because he broke records and, and scored offensively more than anybody since Bobby Orr last year. So I think that speaks for itself. Carlson and that offensive opportunity, offensive ability, should take the pressure off of Latang as well. He won't have to be the only significant point producer in that unit, which allows Latang to play within himself, force less plays, which means he's going to create less turnovers, which is the biggest bugaboo about Chris Latang, And he won't have to worry about being the guy on the blue line that has to kickstart the Pittsburgh Penguins offensively. What that's going to do is allow him to, one, I already mentioned it, create less turnovers, which is a good thing, and two, show his defensive side. Chris Letang, when he wants to be, is an excellent defender, right? Everybody thinks of him as, oh, he's the high-risk, high-reward, big-miss kind of guy. He really is a solid defensive defenseman when he wants to be. So the opportunity of Eric Carlson taking that time, not to mention the fact that he's going to take more ice time away from Chris Letang, who at an older age could use a little bit less than 30 minutes a night. So it's going to be intriguing to see how one affects the other, and I think it's going to show Letang as a much better defensive defenseman in the 2023 season than we've seen in years past. It's also a big year for Marcus Pedersen. One of the most underrated defensive defensemen in the entire NHL last season. He was one of the best. And nobody talked about him. Why? Because he played on a Pittsburgh Penguins team that nobody else played defense on. So nobody really looked to them to see who the best defensemen in the league were. But even despite the rest of the unit struggling, Marcus Pedersen, whether he was playing with Jan Ruda, Jeff Petrie, up with Chris Letang for a certain period of time, he was excellent all season long last year. And I think that not enough was made when the Penguins missed the postseason of the fact that from the trade deadline on, Marcus Pedersen was injured. I think that is a very important factor that goes unrecognized when people look back at the Pittsburgh Penguins missing the postseason last year. 
Pedersen was one of the best defensive defensemen on that team. He was really hitting his stride alongside Chris Letang when he suffered that injury. It's going to be a massive year, him playing alongside, whether it's Letang again, or if he's with his fellow countrymen in Eric Carlson, it's going to bring a spotlight to Marcus Pedersen. It's a really big opportunity for him to really get into the national spotlight. And then there's the third pairing. The third pairing has a chance to be sneaky excellent. That's that's the phrasing I want to use here. Not sneaky good, but sneaky excellent. They could come in, clean up the dirty work. They might only have to play, what, 15 minutes a night? If that, you know, you, you factor in special teams, P.O. Joseph, Chad Ruedel, Ty Smith, they're really not going to have a lot of lifting to do on the Penguins' third pairing. With that opportunity that they're given, though, they have a chance to be extremely good. P.O. Joseph enters year two as an everyday NHL player, and you saw through last season, there were ups and downs. But as he's getting used to the style of play, as he's getting used to the game at this level and starting to become an everyday player and starting to get used to it and starting to really play at that level on a consistent basis, those peaks and valleys are going to level off. And he's going to be more of the consistent defensive force that we saw at times last season. Chad Ruweedle has another opportunity to earn an everyday spot entering training camp. He looked good in the 2021-22 season when he was given that opportunity. There's no reason to believe that he won't look good once again if he gets that opportunity this season. I see a lot of people bashing Chad Ruweedle for his performance last year, but it was the same thing that we lauded him for, being able to sit on the bench, sit in the press box, and not play for extended periods of time, and then come in and still be excellent. Last year, he wasn't quite able to do that. He would sit on the bench or sit in the press box for extended periods of time, and when he came out, it was a coin flip. Some games, hey, that's steady as she goes, Chad Ruedel. And some games, he looked like a turnstile. Everybody got on him and said he's a trash defender because of that, but that is a difficult thing to do. To sit and not do anything and not play for so long and come in and be excellent. He wasn't able to do it last season. He was able to do it for the majority of his career leading up to that opportunity in 2021 where he finally got a chance to play over 50 games, over 60 games. I can't remember the exact number, but he he was the everyday third-pairing defenseman for the Penguins that season, and he was pretty good. So I'll be interested to see if he wins that position out of camp, if he's able to recapture what he had two seasons back. And then there's Ty Smith. He's going to get more playing time than, what, nine games that he played last season? He brings more of an offensive punch to the third pairing. And honestly, it's a great power play two guy. I know that, you know, it's going to probably be Carlson number one, and maybe Latang gets on that second unit, but why? Right? That first unit's not going to come off the ice except for maybe like 15 seconds on average on the power play. Why not just give Latang that extra blow of 15 seconds, put Ty Smith out there for the quick shift there, and then roll with Ryan Graves and Chris Letang as your first shift off of the power play. That's what I would do. Now, of course, I'm not getting paid like Mike Sullivan is. This might be something he's already thought of. I'm sure he's thought of every amalgamation, every single combination of ways to deploy his defense, but man, it's going to be a fun defense to watch, isn't it? I have him ranked at number two in the Metropolitan Division, and I think that, you know, 
it has a chance. I, I don't know. Carolina is very good. Carolina has a very good unit back there. But if the Pittsburgh Penguins defense clicks on all cylinders, there's no reason they cannot be neck and neck with, with Carolina for that number one spot this season. The defense is extremely talented. They are. They just are. It's going to rely, though, on the backs of Pedersen and Graves to be at their very best every single night. That's the one drawback. A lot of gas, very little breaks, and it's on those two guys to be on point night in and night out to keep this team protecting the net front. And also, obviously, the bottom six. The Penguins went out and got a lot of defensive-minded forwards. That's going to help as well. But as far as the blue line is concerned, a lot of it's on Pedersen, a lot of it's on Graves, and a lot of it's going to be on P.O. Joseph as well. We'll see how that plays out. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Remember, you can find us on YouTube at Inside the Penguins or anywhere you get your podcasts from. We'll see you guys next time.